Hey everyone, welcome to the Opera Sky podcast. My name is Ricardo Monegas and I will be your host. On this podcast, we would like to share valuable knowledge, lessons learned, and stories from entrepreneurs, investors, and managers while running their businesses. We strive to ask the right questions and discover insights from our guests so you can apply them in your business and life right after each episode. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hi everyone, today we are talking with Philip Valentine. He is the director of Montreal International on as Central and Eastern Europe and also the South of Europe. <laughs> uh, he is driven uh, on helping companies to realize their goals Uh, is one of his main passions and have uh, skills on international relationships as an academic background and also tries to reach out and create a network between customers in the European regions I mentioned and bring them to Montreal. So welcome, Philip. How are you doing? Hey, Ricardo. It's a pleasure to see you again. I'm doing very well. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing well. Well, thanks. So uh, how is the weather in Canada? It has improved a bit. Well, yeah, we had a glimpse of summer about two weeks ago. Well, last, not last week, but the, the one before. Uh, we, we, the temperature reached 27 degrees, which is unusual for April. But my friends and I, you know, we enjoyed a lot of the parks and the outdoors. But then, you know, spring came back roughly 10, 12 degrees, heavy rain yesterday. So, uh, yeah, the spring, is, the spring is back, but summer is probably by the end of this week, going to come back roughly 20 okay. degrees. So you're uh, you're looking forward to it? <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Montreal is the best city in summer. Uh, as I said, you know, we had a glimpse of it two weeks ago and I can't wait for, for summer to be here and, uh, you know, to enjoy it like daily, basically, you know, going, going outdoors and meeting with friends. Good, good. So before going deeper into Montreal and the area, Montreal International, maybe we should start by you. So who is Philip? Who, what, what do you like to do? I, I know I make this short intro, but maybe it's always better to listen it from you. What, what are you currently doing and what are you passionate about? Sure. So um, what I'm currently doing, well, work, you know, I guess we'll touch base on this. So I'll probably keep that for uh, for. The next few questions, but uh, you know, in general, I, I would describe myself as a very authentic person. I uh, I'm very curious about many, many topics, many things. Uh, passionate about many cultures as well. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm I've always been very interested into other cultures' backgrounds uh, and history. So uh, that probably explains a little bit my academic background, which is in international relations and languages. Um, so basically, you know, I've always been focused a lot on culture, history, uh, but also geopolitics, economic development. Um, and, you know, basically what I how I transitioned from this world of geopolitics, of history, of, of uh, uh, political science concepts to economic development was through my master's degree in uh, international relations. I basically started focusing on trade policy at the end. Uh, of it, and I started working for the uh, Quebec government on the uh, CETA agreement, the Canada-EU trade agreement, basically that we have since 2018. Um, and then I transitioned again towards more uh, uh, helping companies per se, meaning uh, I worked for the Quebec government at the uh, Export Quebec Agency, so basically helping Quebec companies export in foreign markets before transitioning again to uh, foreign direct investment 10 years ago. So basically, I were, I've been working for Montreal International for the past 10 years. Uh, that being said, you know, this is career. This is uh, uh, who I am, you know, professionally speaking. But in general, I think I'm a very, uh, uh, you know, open-minded person. And uh, I really like, you know, to hang out with my friends. Uh, they, they're my second family. You know, I'm from a small town in Quebec uh, called Trois-Rivières, which means three rivers. Uh, but, you know, I still go back there, back and forth uh, once in a while. But, you know, I, my true family now lives in Montreal. I'm really happy to, to, to be here. Um, and, yeah, uh, I'm, very, I'm a very social person, I would say. I think this is essential for my work, uh, but I'm a very yeah. social person as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
yeah, now what is actually Montreal International? If we can go into it, uh, how do you define it as an organization? Yeah, Montreal International is a weird structure. We're public-private partnership. So a lot of people would tend to say like we're probably a municipal governmental agencies, agency, but we're not. Um, basically, Montreal International is a nonprofit organization which is mandated to promote economically the greater Montreal region. I mentioned that we're public-private partnerships, so we get roughly 80% of our funding from the three levels of government. In Canada, we speak of federal, provincial, and municipal. Um, but we get roughly 20% of our money from the, the private sector. What that means, although we're uh, an economic development agency, we're privately managed. However, we still provide free services to the companies we work with. So that's probably the main advantage of, uh, of our structure. We're pu publicly, uh, you know, we, we provide public service, free services, while being privately managed. So we work at the pace of the private sector. Um, we have three main mandates. I won't touch base uh, much on, on two of them. Uh, the first one is the attraction and retention of foreign talent, whether they're skilled workers or foreign students. The second pillar for activities is um, international organizations attraction and retention, meaning UN agencies or uh, non -glo globally mandated nonprofit organizations. This is an, uh, an unknown fact in many spheres, but Montreal is the third largest international organization hubs in the Americas. So uh, there's a lot to be done in that field. And the third pillar for which I work is the foreign direct investment attraction. Okay. In short, um, I help foreign companies set up and expand operations in Montreal. Okay. And what does it make Montreal attractive for foreign companies? That yeah, how how do you sell Montreal to foreign companies to come to to you guys? Sure. You know there are many many aspects of Montreal uh, that I like to mention to, to foreign companies. Um, I think I'll start with the more sentimental aspects of it because that's what I like so much about Montreal. It's the quality of life we have here. You know, North America is a strange place filled with suburbs and and uh, the very individualistic mentality, but Montreal is a bit different in that sense. It's more like European, you know, it's twice as dense as any other North American metropolitan area. We have an amazing public transportation system, uh, low, a lot of big parks right in the center of the city. And obviously, you know, one of the main aspects of quality of life is the cost of living, which are significantly lower in Montreal than in other places, especially considering the real estate market. So we hear those awful stories about how expensive it is in other cities in Canada, but also in the United States. Well, Montreal is not uh, at all on par with the with those cities when it comes to cost of uh, of living. So this is more for the personal aspect of why Montreal as a city where to live. However, for companies interested into setting up in North America, very often they have San Francisco, maybe New York in mind. But then they look at the price tag and it's basically an, impossible for them to invest there because the prices are way too too high. However, you can still have access to the North American market without being in those specific cities. So Montreal is a very nice place for what I call a nearshoring office for the Americas, for North America. So basically, you can use Montreal as this gateway to pierce and to tap into the American market. So the United States market, for example, but also the Canadian market. Let's not forget that Montreal on its own is a huge market. It's a 4.5 million metropolis. Um, directly connected to New York, Boston, Toronto, only a few hours drive to get there. Well, by North American standards, I mean six to eight hours. To us, it's not much. Um, but, you know, we're really well connected into this very large market, which is Northeastern North America. So it's a very good place to kickstart those operations, lowering the costs, lowering as well the risk. And uh, I would probably add one more thing. It's the ease of setting up a company in Canada, Think Delaware, it's pretty much the same in Quebec. So you can create a Quebec Inc., so a corporation under Quebec law. You have access to the whole North American market uh, without any uh, um, any restraints. And it's actually a very easy way to, to, to have access to this market. Obviously, you know, maybe one last point, well, two points, which I should touch base when I speak of Montreal. That's basically my core job. Um, 
two main aspects of it is also the amazing talent that we have. We have we are the capital university of Canada, so the, the city with that, which has the most students in the country. We have the most foreign students in the country. It's a very diverse city. Roughly 35% of Montrealers were born outside of Canada. So that makes it a very, very diverse and multicultural environment. Uh, but beyond that, it's also the technical skills that this labor has, especially in artificial intelligence, software development, game development, and so on. Last but certainly not least, especially from a cost perspective, are the very, very generous incentives available in Quebec, which are industry targeted. For example, game development, VFX, uh, B2B software development, research and development, and so on. So there are a lot of incentives to help companies, you know, basically expand their footprint in North America, doing that through Quebec, Montreal. Mm -hmm. Got it, got it. So that sounds interesting and a lot to go into it. So I will try to go step by step. <laughs> so um, just in the big picture again, so on supporting, because I understand, of course, as you mentioned, you have three pillars, let's call it, or you call it mandates, right? But yeah. one where you are focused is in supporting companies, foreign companies to come to, to the Montreal area. So um, what kind of services are you currently providing to these companies that maybe someone who is listening to it is interested to, to, to subscribe to one of these services? So let's take it from the very beginning. Most companies don't necessarily have an investment project in mind when they start when they start speaking with us in the first place, when we first meet. So the goal is not to have an already existing project and then to, to ask like yourself, how can I benefit from Montreal or North America in general? It's mostly about kickstarting that conversation about what's the potential for growth in North America for companies. And I know from a Czech perspective, that's basically where a lot of companies are at the moment. So a lot of companies that I've met previously when I traveled to, to the Czech Republic in March, the main points that they were making is that we've had success in Europe. We're getting known now on the continent. We're, ten, we're starting to think about what's next. You know, what's the next step? Where can we go after Europe, after France, Germany, Italy, and so on? North America very quickly comes into mind for many companies. And when they say North America, it's usually the United States. Let's face it. But basically, I'm here to introduce what Montreal has to offer when it comes to setting up in the region, but also what kind of markets and what's the business model that a lot of companies can actually uh, thrive into, you know, while uh, setting up in the region. So basically, the services which I provide to those companies after this first conversation where we assess you know, whether there's potential for, for a specific company. Um, I'm here to introduce the ecosystem that we have in Montreal, whether the we have roughly 20 industrial clusters, we have a network of partners, let's say a company wants to meet a lawyer, an accountant, a real estate broker, recruiters, and so on, to, to make sure that they benefit from the right services right from the start, that they meet the right people. So I'm here to make all those connections, to plan the first meetings with all those service providers, all those meetings for free, by the way, to start with. Obviously, then if a company decides to work with a lawyer, with an accountant, we let them deal with them directly. But the first meetings, the agenda that we schedule are always free. Um, then, um, of course, companies want to understand a bit better how to incorporate, what are the banking re regulations, how to basically manage the taxes and all that. So I'm here to provide high-level information on all the practical aspects of setting up a company here. As well, that obviously includes all the incentives, whether they're ta refundable tax credits or um, financial incentives. And, uh, you know, I'm here to explain how to proceed for each and every one of them to make the right connections and to help writing down an executive summary to introduce a project to the governmental agencies, very often, which is a prerequisite for uh, many incentives. Uh, nothing is complicated, though, but I'm, I'm, again, I'm here to help with that. Then a bit further down the line, let's say a company is, uh, is interested. They understand the business opportunities there. They have, you know, a clear idea of what they want to do. They proceed with incorporation and all that. Then I'm going to help with the drafting of this executive summary. We have a department uh, in-house to support with work permits. So let's say a company wants to uh, send some employees to Canada um, we have a department to support with uh, work permits, the work permit process. 
by the way, which is a key advantage of Canada versus the United States for European companies. Um, we have, as I said, a trade agreement between Canada and the EU, and there's a fast track for companies to secure what is called an intra-company transfer. So let's say a company wants to send one or two key personnel to start operations, whether for two weeks, two months, or two years, it doesn't matter. You still need a work permit, and uh, uh, you can get it in as little as two weeks versus in the, in the United States where it's much longer. Last but not least, uh, if a company wants to make some noise about its presence in Montreal, uh, we're always glad to support with our communications department. And as well, you know, to assist salaries and all that, we have a team of uh, economic uh, analysts in-house who can support with the, you know, finding out what salaries are, you should pay your staff, the real estate costs and so on. So we, we can support with that as well. Okay, sounds good. And do you have any, as you mentioned before, so you, you are kind of trying to match the talent that you have in in Canada and specifically in Montreal and with with the companies which are coming from coming in similar industries to yeah so how do you yeah what what are the industries that let's say you are recruiting more at the moment or com or type of companies that you are looking for to bring to to Montreal if if you can say This is a very good question. I'll divide it in two because I feel, it, it, you know, the talent portion on its own is a topic. And then obviously the kind of industries that I target is, a, is related to it, but I'll address it after. Basically, with regards to the talent pool, um, you know, I won't lie. The talent pool, like everywhere else, either in Europe or in North America, is very tight in Montreal. You know, there's been a huge growth over the past few years in, in, the, in the city, uh, especially in the tech industries so think aerospace um, uh, software development artificial intelligence game development vfx which are the main industries that i focus on um, however you know this component that i told that i mentioned about the talent attraction and retention is where we can try to ease a little bit that pressure um, so we have a team in-house which conducts some uh, recruitment missions all over the world mostly in europe in Northern Africa, sometimes in the United States, but they've been traveling extensively around the world to recruit talent. They've done it recently in Colombia, for example, in South, uh, South America, uh, and in Tunisia in March as well. So basically, you know, they, they set up those missions. They go with companies, take the planes, meet with candidates, and we try to help them recruit the, uh, the employees that they need to, uh, to ensure their growth in the region. Uh, and then we support with the work permits required for um, uh, those workers. So this is one of the two ways where we act to try and increase the talent pool in Montreal. The second one is through the uh, foreign student market in the city. We have roughly 40,000 foreign students in Montreal at the either college or university level, most of them at, at university. And uh, our goal is to retain as many as possible in Montreal through connecting them with potential employers. So let's say a company is interested into hiring uh, some students, you know, junior staff. We're here to support and connect them with potential candidates. So basically this is our way to uh, not only attract foreign companies which are gonna ask for talent, but also to try and increase this talent pool so that everybody wins in the end. Uh, now going to the uh, industry part, which sectors I target. Um, You know, as I told you, there's some very generous incentives in the province of Quebec. So when it comes to, let's say, Central Eastern Europe, I usually focus on the ones where we have the most generous incentives, keeping in mind that companies won't transfer our research and development offices in Montreal or development, software development or game development offices in the city. But they might want to have a satellite office or a nearshoring office or project management office for American clients or Canadian clients. So that's basically what I focus on using the industries for which we have very generous uh, incentives. I'll give a few key examples. In the game development industry, a game development studio that sets up an entity in Quebec and that hires people living in Quebec, whether they're foreign workers or locals, it doesn't matter the citizenship. Um, the Quebec government refunds 37.5% of their salaries. So that's, that's a huge incentive, right? The same for software developers. The Quebec government will refund up to $20,000 per software developer that a company hires in Quebec. 
So this is a unique incentive in North America. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, and that's even if the company pays no taxes in Quebec. For research and development, a lot of companies will try to do partnerships with universities and all that. There's some programs to support that, uh, either financial programs or tax credits as well. When I say tax credit, they're always refundable, meaning that even if the company pays no taxes, you get the money back at the end of the year when you file your taxes. Hence why it's called a tax credit. And um, so, yeah, basically I target these industries. So in short, the main, uh, when I travel, let's say to the Czech Republic or Central Europe, we usually target uh, game development studios, B2B software development companies, uh, companies active in artificial intelligence. By the way, Montreal is the densest concentration of researchers in AI in the world, in deep learning, machine learning, and reinforced learning. So we have expertise which is unmatched anywhere else. It's amazing what's done in AI in Montreal. Actually, last week was the World Summit AI, uh, Americas here uh, in Montreal. Um, so these would be the main industries that I, that I target. We, we're also really, really strong in anything related to life sciences and especially aerospace. We have a huge cluster in aerospace. Bombardier is based here in Montreal. So obviously in Airbus now with the, the uh, A220, uh, which uh, the production being mainly made here in Mirabelle near Montreal. So basically, you know, these would be the main industries that I, that I target. Okay, okay. So um, do you have any specific uh, success stories that you can mention or, or that you have been able to help them in this process and come to Montreal and now are thriving thanks to, to your help? Yeah. Sure, I, I can provide a few examples. Um, I'll start with an Italian one. I'll focus afterwards on Central Eastern Europe, but I'll start with uh, probably the best case scenario Uh, which is from Italy. So there's this uh, Italian company based out of Padova in northern Italy. Uh, the company is called Antea. What they do is softwares applied to petrochemical plants and, and industry. All right. So basically, we have a few refineries in Quebec, of course, but all of their clients are basically in Texas. They have none in Quebec. Still, they decided to set up this nearshoring office out of Montreal, which manages all the projects that they have with clients out of Texas. And doing so, they obviously, as I said, lower their operating costs. They have access to an amazing talent pool uh, and they get access to the e-business tax credit, which is the cashback of $20,000 per software developer. All right. So basically to them, it was a way to reduce the costs by roughly 40% by, you know, compared to what they would have paid in Texas. So they decided to basically take this decision to lower the cost, lower the risk, and to grow faster as well, because they can hire way more people thanks to the incentives that they're given. This company set, set up in Montreal in 2018. It was one of the first Italian companies that I worked with at the time. So they set up in 2018 and they've grown, you know, the first phase was roughly 20 employees in Montreal. And last year, they announced that they would triple in size. They would add actually 50 employees uh, in the region because of the initial success that they had. So that would be, you know, the, probably the best case scenario for a Czech company considering setting up in North America. It doesn't matter if you don't have clients in Montreal or in Canada. You can still have all your clientele outside of the country. Uh, as far as you have a few key employees in the region, then you can claim some incentives and, and lower significantly your costs. The second example I'd like to give is from Ukraine. You know, uh, we all know Ukraine has been roughly hit, but they still have very, very uh, proactive companies. I've actually helped one of them in 2020 uh, called Room 8 Studio. So they're active in video game development and uh, creative arts, uh, digital creative arts. Basically, what they did in Montreal uh, was to set up a small satellite office to their operations in Los Angeles. So they already had uh, a presence in LA, but you know the time difference seven plus three. Uh, you know, you know it's it's ten hours difference between LA and Ukraine. So they found it a little hard to manage. They wanted some something in between to basically manage the projects. So they set up this very small office in Montreal three years ago, uh, roughly 12 employees. So very small scale office. 
to support the projects and coordinate with the, the team in Ukraine, um, the, the contracts that they signed basically with LA. What's very interesting about this specific project, and that's why I'm mentioning it, even if it's a very small team. The company told, I met with them in 2022. So we went for a coffee with the general manager uh, here in Montreal. And what he told me did not surprise me, but is revealing as to what you can expect out of a Montreal team. He told us, like, we're aware that the salaries in Montreal, even factoring in some incentives, are twice as high as in Ukraine. However, the revenue per employee is three times what we get from a Ukrainian employee. Because you're in North America, contracts are more uh, expensive. And the output is very, very high out of each employee that you have here. Probably because there's less bureaucracy, employees are more focused on what they, they can do instead of managing requests for auditing and all that, which is, I think, something uh, common in Europe from, from what I've understood over the past years. Uh, but anyway, so basically the output generated per employee seems to be higher, and especially the revenue since you're in North America is much higher. So basically, you know, they decided that they will expand significantly the team in Montreal over the next several years. Uh, making Montreal one of the main hubs for from which they will develop now. Let's face it, their Ukrainian team was split in numerous countries over the past uh, year. So they've decided that they will channel a part of those staff to Montreal. And I can't wait basically to work with them over the next few months to, to help them set up this larger office in, in the city. Maybe a third and final example, although I have numerous, many others, if you want, I can, I can speak about that for an hour. Um, a third one would be Ember Studio, a game development uh, company from Romania. Um, they decided to set up in 2020 uh, a small uh, localization office, meaning testing and quality assurance dedicated to game development. Within one year, and when I say within, I think they announced officially through a press release that we supported uh, the company with, um, they announced in some, something like February 2020, and less than one year later, they called me back to say, listen, Philip, we decided that we, we realized the potential of Montreal. So instead of just having a localization office, we want to set up an R&D office for game development because we have universities here which provide... Uh, degrees up to master's degree, so basically research in game development. So they wanted to start partnering with that university to create a, a, a research lab plus a game development studio. So they added 80 jobs uh, to the initial 20 that were anticipated. So basically the company grew much faster than anticipated. And again, it goes back to just taking that very small risk of setting up an office and then realizing the potential and making it grow accordingly. So I'd say this, that these three main examples, two of which touch base, the nearshoring part, the third one touch, you know, con considers the uh, local market in game development. These three companies, what they have in common is that they grew much faster than they thought in the first place, just because they took that, that small risk of setting up an office in the region. Okay. And... Yeah, so thanks thanks for sharing all these three examples. And of course, I get it that you can get even more examples for sure. Yes, I have like 35 um, examples that I could give. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah don't, don't worry. Uh, we can put a link to more success stories <laughs> into the podcast uh, uh, description. Um, meantime, so we can maybe go into, yeah, what, what how do you recruit these companies and what are the stages that they should be or what are your recommendations uh, for companies who would like to expand to North America into I know it's hard to have a rule that applies to everyone right but it's like imagine a software company a b2b company so what what do you think is the most important thing that they should be prepared before deciding to go to Montreal for example this is a very good question, and it's actually key to success. Um, the first advice, do not wait for that first client before taking the risk, you know, before investing in North America. Because if you wait for that first client, if you don't have the network or local presence, you won't have it in 98% of the cases. The reason is the market is different. It's not like in Europe. Here, it's very, very easy to set up a company. 
meaning that pretty much anybody can set up a company. You don't need to publish uh, publicly your uh, your financial records. Uh, you can have a number company. It's very, very easy. So what that brings is that you need to build a personal trust relationship with the people you're doing business with. And you cannot do that with a notion in six countries in between. You need to be here. You know, you need to have this local feeling, this local presence uh, to support uh, and to create that connection with potential clients. That being said, um, what I would like companies to remember or entrepreneurs listening this podcast to remember is that it's actually very easy to set up a company here. It takes roughly 24 hours for the company to be incorporated. Within a week, you have tax numbers and you can start signing contracts and hiring people. It's very, very easy. No minimum investment required. You don't need to have Canadians or Quebecers sitting on your board of director. You can be 100% foreign controlled, no issue. All the incentives are available to you and all that. So it's a very, very easy jurisdiction in which doing business. So my first advice is truly not to wait for that first client. The first step should be start traveling to trade shows. Come here, visit you know, the environment. Invest a little bit of your time and money into uh, Collision in Toronto, the World Summit AI in Montreal, Mega Megs in video games in the fall in Montreal. Try to find one or two events where you could basically start building your own network. This network is going to bring you way further than just, you know, having the best product in the world. Here, it's truly about who you know and how you connect with them. Um, Again, as I said, you know, setting up a legal office is very easy. But still, once this is done, you need someone to be the representative, the face of the company here. So either someone who gets a work permit and either travel extensively to Canada or the United States or someone who's, who's permanently established in Montreal or, or in Canada. So someone basically is going to be the face of the company. This is very important. First contract is not going to take two days. It's going to take maybe two months, two years, you know, depending on your industry. But don't give up. You know, once you start, once the ball starts rolling, things get much easier because you have those business cards, you know, those first contracts that you, you've secured. Um, so that would probably be my first advice, you know, set up shop, don't wait for the first contract and adapt. North Americans, as most of you, I'm sure already know, are not like Europeans when it comes to developing business. We're way more, uh, um, well, I'll put it this way. We're way more individualistic. We like to talk about ourselves, Right. So make sure that you create a personal connection to the people you're doing business with. Ask them where they're from. Uh, make a con- like, you, like we just did at the beginning with the temperature, you know, have a little small talk. This is very important to us. We want to test the waters. We want to get to know you. I cannot verify if you're a good company. So, well, this is in our head, obviously. I cannot verify if you're a good company. So I need to know that I can trust you as an individual. So this is the kind of connection that you want to create. Um, and then obviously, you know, once you start uh, developing the team, uh, don't hesitate to create this connection between your entity here and uh, your HQ uh, uh, at home. Don't forget as well that having a presence, you know, becoming an international company gives you an opportunity of retention of your employees because you can provide them with an opportunity to to work abroad for a short period of time or even a longer period of time. Uh, uh, you know, while maintaining this talent in-house within the company. And this is key to many industries such as VFX, artificial intelligence, video game development, even software development. We hear stories of uh, of a lot of companies that, you know, opened up an office here and they got 10 employees transferred. Uh, these employees basically just wanted to live something new and they could not get it at home. So, so you can provide that to your employees as well. Okay. So you're saying that traveling to Montreal is like having a, an extra peak um, or benefit into, into, well, into the job like description. You know, <laughs> you know that I know a lot of Quebec-based companies that have opened up offices in Europe. And that's also a strategy for them to basically retain employees because they off- they're offering those employees the opportunity to live abroad for one year. You know, it's great when you think of it. You know, we can do that as students, but it's great to have the opportunity to do it as workers as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. So um, you mentioned, of course, that yeah, you have 
differences in culture between Europe and, and US and Canada. So uh, do you have any recommendations uh, or more specific details into this that maybe someone listening in Europe wants to travel to US and how to do networking or how to do uh, conversation with Canadian people and maybe the opposite because maybe yeah. since you have been traveling to Europe maybe you have noticed other differences as well. <laughs> Listen, I've done presentations for an hour about this specific topic, the cultural differences between uh, Europe and North America and uh, I'm very blunt about it, I'm very honest about it, about how we are but also about how Europeans interact with us. Uh, so this is a topic that I feel is crucial for business development. Um, basically, the first things that I would say, as I said, you know, uh, make sure that you do integrate this personal touch with uh, North American starts. Start the conversation a bit more slowly, you know, take your time to get to know the person three, four, five minutes. It's not going to be wasted. It may enter a second meeting, right? North Americans have very short attention span. Don't get in a first meeting with 70 slides. This is success or failure. You may have the best product in the world. In the world, If I don't understand the company right from the start, who you are, what you do, I may lose interest very quickly, especially if you speak to a sales development or someone who's not necessarily technical. Make sure that you adapt your pitch actually to the person you're speaking with. Um, So short, short presentations, actually, you know, first meetings, I like it when there's no presentation. This is my personal opinion. I know many people I know uh, that, I, that I work with or uh, clients that I work with feel the same. We want to get to know each other a bit better before going into the technical parts. Um, so take some time, you know, just to explain who you are, adapting your pitch, you know, to the person you're speaking with. Avoid too much details as well. If you have clients in North America, it's always very good to mention it because those logo charts that we see in all the presentations, if we don't know them, it's irrelevant to us. Like I, I don't know them, you know, there, there are companies from another country that I don't know because I'm based here in North America and I've been focused on this market for a long time, right? So that's how people think. Um, so make sure that if you have Just like I did, you know, I, I spoke of examples that speak to you. I, if I were sp speaking to a Spanish audience, I would have used other examples of companies that have set up in Montreal for other reasons. But I try to adapt my pitch. So basically, that's what we expect as well from others when they, they pitch into us. Um, another aspect, which is very important, this is more related to the United States. United, in the United States, they like storytelling. So you need to create a personal connection with what you do and to make sure that the person understands how they can use it in their daily lives or how users are, are going to end up, you know, using it uh, at the end. It's not just about the technical part. It's about how usable the technology and the product is, right? So they want storytelling, individual cases of people using it. John has been using my product for that reason. Oh, cool. I understand now. So this is the kind of, uh, of advice I can give. One last thing about Canadians. Americans are really straightforward. They will tell you if they're interested or not. You'll know within five minutes. Canadians, you'll never know. We hate to say no, especially in Quebec. So if you speak with someone from Quebec, the meeting is fine. We want to help. We'll provide you a list of partners, blah, blah, blah. And then the meeting ends and no follow-up. Don't panic. It's not that we didn't like you. It's just that sometimes people here hate to say no so much that they just avoid replying because they don't want to say no. So don't take it personal. Try to, you know, if you have a meeting in the next week, send, you know, a, a, a condensed version of what you, you discuss in the meeting, the follow-ups, the usual follow-ups. If you get a reply, good. Interest, inter the interest is there. Keep moving forward. If there's no reply, wait maybe an additional two weeks hey, did you have the chance to look at what I sent you? Uh, you know, uh, feel free to, to schedule a call if ever you have some time. If the person replies, good for you. If not, just wait. Wait for another trade show, for another event, for something that may be interesting for that person, a press release on your market, for example, and say, hey, I thought of you with regards to this opportunity. Or I'm going to be at this event. Will you be as well? It would be great to catch up. 
you know, don't insist, but do the follow-up. Maybe one last thing, and this is what I've noticed a lot from European companies when they pitch. They want to generate sales. So they want to win. This does not necessarily create what is called a win-win situation. So you want to make sure that when you speak and when you build that trust relationship with the North American, that you're aware that you need to give back something, right? You need to open up your network. You need to, to, to help them in some ways. Or if it's just based on your product, how much you're going to reduce the cost tangibly, like how much. So basically, they need to understand how they're going to win from doing business with you. Because that's what they're looking for in the end, right? It's called a win-win situation. So don't just don't be the person asking or offer something as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's valuable advice to always give first instead of being expecting to always ask, 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 right? Good. Um, now, talking about uh, inst different institutions and events that you, you actually already mentioned some of them and talking about different industries like gaming or startups, tech startups events. So can you mention some of them that in a variety of industries that you are focusing that maybe people can, can note it down in their agenda for, for the coming months? Sure. So basically, there's the largest tech conference in, in North America in Montreal. So most of you most likely know the Web Summit. So the Web Summit has a sister uh, or a daughter show in Toronto, in Canada. It's called Collision. It's going to be on June 28, 29th or 27th through 29th. Uh, so end of June this year. Um, it's a great show to discover what Canada has to offer as a country when it comes to the tech scene. It's very startup focused. I'll be honest, you probably won't find a lot of uh, end users or clients. It's very much focused on Canadian startups, but still the whole ecosystem in Canada is there and especially Montreal, you know, we're really close to Toronto and the whole ecosystem goes to, the, to that conference. So that's probably a, a great event to discover um, Canada as, as a country, as, a, as an ecosystem. In Montreal, we have more industry specific uh, trade shows. So if you're active in B2B software development, there is a, call, a show called C2 Montreal, which is going to be at the end of May. I don't have the exact dates right now, but it's at the end of May. Uh, in the visual effects and animation scene, we have Cafe, which is the, uh, you know, Montreal is the largest hub in, in Canada for VFX and animation. So we have the largest such event in the country. Um, it's mid-May, so it's in a few weeks. I actually have some Italian clients coming over. Uh, I had a conversation with them this morning about that. Um, so this is a really nice show to discover what the animation and VFX industry has to offer. For game development, you know, there's GDC and M3 in the United States. Well, the largest conference in Canada is Megamix, which is in October in Montreal. The dates have not yet been confirmed, but I've been told to stay tuned over the next few weeks. So I guess I'll have the exact dates very soon. But Megamix is like a small GDC, much more human scale, much easier to, to speak with uh, the right people. So GDC is huge. I've been there. Like, it's very easy to get lost. Megamix, what I like is you can actually see the same people again and follow up on the spot, which is key to success. Um, we have uh, tr trade shows in the F Canada FinTech Forum, for example, which is in the fall. We have uh, FIC, which is a, a cybersecurity fair from France that happens here in Quebec now. Uh, it's going to be the second edition this year. It's been ongoing for 10 years in France. We have as well Propulsion Quebec for anything related to electric vehicles. We have uh, the Startup Fest, very nice event to visit Montreal. It's in mid-July, right after the Jazz Fest. So very nice moment to visit. There's actually going to be a few uh, Czech companies that will attend this show, the, the companies that I've met back in March. So if you're interested, I'd be very happy to provide more details. It's in mid-July. Uh, and so on, you know, there are numerous trade shows. And as I said, what I like about the shows in Montreal, they're all human scale. So it's not like those massive shows where you basically lose your mind and, and get back for home exhausted because you've met too many people. You're still like in the tens of thousands of people, but manageable. So it's easier probably to, to, to network. I like to say that when you're in Montreal or when you're in smaller trade shows, you're a larger fish in a smaller pond. So you have more chances of success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what are your recommendations for a company going to these events into how to 
yeah how to approach the event do you do you have kind of a, a cheat sheet where you have okay you should prepare this and do this because yeah how do or do you work with the companies into that exactly. preparation depending on, depending on the event the well for all events contact me first right uh, i'm going to be here to guide you to, through the event i'll give a very concrete example as i told you i'm welcoming two italian companies over the next uh, well in within three weeks for uh, for cafe the vfx uh, show and i'm basically going to organize uh, meeting agendas with the ecosystem on the side of the event to make sure that they speak with the right stakeholders while they're in town you know to make sure that their that their trip is as beneficial as possible so that they fully understand the potential potential market opportunities and so on so basically uh, reaching out to me first is probably the best step to, to start with because then i can think of some some things and provide the information related to it Obviously, you know, uh, there are always B2B platforms. In most cases, there is. Uh, use them. Uh, my advice is to, of course, have a first meeting, but to suggest, hey, this, this first meeting was cool. Can we grab a coffee? You know, and try to, to have a second meeting on the spot, you know, because people like to build this relationship and it's very important to do it. So sometimes less is more. Take time to follow up with people with whom the relationship seems to be doing well, because then you have more chances of success with those people. Um, there are, as I said, a lot of industrial clusters and partners to support you in, in Quebec. So we have roughly 20 industrial clusters covering aerospace, clean tech, electric vehicles, software development, quantum uh, science, uh, quantum sciences, and so on. So, so we're active in 20 such industries. A first conversation with those clusters is always very helpful to understand the depth of your ecosystems. So, so basically, th these are all doors which we can open up for you. Um, and again, I would not hesitate at all. You know, I, I know a lot of companies will think, but we're not there yet. It's not important. Let's have a first meeting with a lawyer, with an accountant, so you understand how you could eventually do business, right? It's not engaging. Nothing is binding. It's just about understanding how to proceed if ever you decide to, to move forward eventually with, the, with an investment project. Keep in mind one thing. I'm aware that... Companies are not investing like that within two months. You know, the average investment project on our side is three years. So I'm here for the long haul, you know. Mm -hmm. Got it, got it. So, yeah, that's good to, to define the expectations and time frame of, of, of moving and expanding to a different region, right? Exactly. And if I may jump in, because you did ask and I kind of forgot that part of the question, you know, what's the timeline and how to structure with let's say the company comes first to discover the ecosystem at the trade show, starts networking, relationship, one or two trips over one year maybe should be enough, you know, to reinforce and to, to consolidate that network. Then once the company takes the decision to set up, you should factor in roughly one month for the shareholders agreement, for the discussion with the lawyers and the accountant to, to structure as efficiently as possible your, your subsidiary So factor in roughly one month for that step, uh, if everything goes well. Then obviously the hiring of the first employees, uh, if you transfer them, it's as easy as two weeks. Well, you need to have the company's number. So let's maybe a bit more than two weeks, a few weeks. Uh, I'll say one to two months, depending on how fast you can gather all the information. You can start hiring locally as well. A lot of companies do that. They even hire before... As a subcontractant, they hire someone before the company is actually created. So that's also an option. Um, there are companies which, uh, well, consulting companies that can help you uh, uh, kickstart market studies and do some business development for you. Even if you're not yet, you know, present on the territory, they can act on your behalf. So this is also an option for soft lending before you actually uh, create your own structure. And then obviously we're there to help you every step of the way when it comes to setting up bank accounts and all that. We'll make the right connections uh, every step of the way. And the good news about our services, we're here to support companies growing afterwards. So my goal is not just to attract small offices and then <clears throat> if you don't have success, too bad. My goal is to help companies set up small offices, which will then become big because we can claim as well the expansion phases of the subsidiaries we work with. So I'm here for the long haul as well with companies. Got it. Uh, what kind? Because we have been really focused into this initial part. So, what is the kind of services and help you are doing after? Like, let's say, imagine they created this first satellite office. 
yeah how what is your collaboration with the companies into into the so next what, what stages the, uh, the, the aftercare in foreign direct investment. exactly so when a company is already here how would we support uh for the next phases so basically, all the service the services I explained still apply. So very often, what happens? The company is going to set up a small sales office, technical support office, small manufacturing plant, small, you know, a small thing, a small, a small, a small establishment. However, when they grow, very often there are incentives to help them do those uh, do do these growth phases, right? That they may not be aware of because we didn't touch base on those in the first place. So we're basically here to help them understand those opportunities. Uh, what are the incentives available for growth plans? If they need to move uh, out of, um, uh, let's say they were in a co-working space and now they need to find their own office space, we'll make sure to present them to, to the municipal governments or uh, real estate brokers. Um, we support as well, as I said, with recruitment. So this is very often a phase that comes when a company expands its operations so we can support with that uh, in-house uh, and so on. The same uh, service applies as well for international mobility and so on. So basically, we make sure that uh, what they could have got in the first place, you know, they will still get in the in the subsequent phases. Maybe one thing, how we keep track of this as an organization, we, uh, we try and meet the foreign subsidiaries that are uh, from our territory once per year. So basically, every year I visit... Uh, in person, ideally, but sometimes it's virtually, uh, thanks to the pandemic. Uh, you know, we try and set up meetings with all the subsidiaries from our territory here to to make sure that everything is well. If they face difficulties, how can we support? If they have an expansion phase, how can we support and so on? So we make sure to keep that relationship very close. Uh, and this is probably something that you'll find in Canada, but especially in Montreal, it's the collaborative spirit. All parties, all stakeholders, all governmental agencies are really there to support. Good. So that is this uh, community sense and uh, yes, to improve this in general. I, I noticed actually in the Czech Republic, you have that as well. Uh, in the game development industry, especially, but also in artificial intelligence, uh, in software development, I've met with uh, with people in charge of clusters, uh back in March, and I, I was truly impressed by how you have an ecosystem which basically gathers together and speaks to one another, which is not the case everywhere. Uh, so congrats for that, because I feel like Quebec and the Czech Republic have that in common. Great, great. Yeah, that's great to listen. Yeah, I, I seen. Yeah, of course, there are different associations, and yeah, they are kind of collaborating and improving best practices and so on as well. Yeah. Good. Um, maybe uh, before finishing, uh, we are gonna go back to 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 your personal story and and trying to helping you on your role as in in your in Montreal International. So, what would you like to achieve by yourself as a as a person? Uh, let's say after yeah doing this work of several years. So. Yeah, how do you see that goal for you? So how does it look? It's a multifaceted question, but a very interesting one. Um, you know, I, I'm very glad to have the opportunity to contribute to wealth creation, both within Quebec, obviously, you know, because I attract companies here, but also a huge part of my job is to help entrepreneurs and smaller companies expand internationally through Montreal. Right. So there's as well this gratification feeling that I get from many clients, you know, thanking me for making it possible. Right. So I do my job mostly for that, to help my region be more successful and prosperous, but also to help companies that may be wondering how to do things in North America, how to expand, how to, to achieve an international footprint. And I, I'm, I'm kind of a part of it small part but still so this is a this is what drives me like daily i i truly want to serve and to 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 be beneficial to people around me um on a more personal level uh why i'm happy to work for a nonprofit, why i'm happy to basically do the work that i do for free i'm not saying that i'm I obviously have a decent salary, but uh, uh, I, I, I'm not a consultant. You know, nobody pays uh, directly for my services. 
I truly believe in, uh, you know, again, Quebec has that in common with, with many countries in Europe. I truly believe in a strong social safety net uh, for personal reasons. I came from a modest background. I would not have been able to afford to go to universities in the United States or in Ontario for the matter because education there is way too expensive. So in Quebec, university is, all, is not free, but almost. So I got into debt a little to... Um, to go to the university, but I didn't ruin myself, you know. And uh, this strong safety net has basically allowed me to get out of that loop that my family was stuck in for a while, you know, and to uh, to create my own path. As well, uh, again, this is still very personal to me. Um, you know, in my family, I've had a, I have a brother and sisters uh, and sister. They both have health issues. Uh, different uh, my brother's more mental health issues my sister was more physical health issue um and i'm really happy that we have a strong safety net to support them and i'm quite glad that through my work i'm basically able to uh to uh to support that through bringing companies paying more taxes and so on the last point about this um it's it, it's about, you know, the impact that I can have here on the community as well, you know, making Montreal more known globally. And my territory, the territory I cover, Southern, Central, Eastern Europe, it covers the Middle East and Africa as well. A colleague of mine is dedicated to that in, in my small team of two people. Um, so basically, you know, nobody took care of that territory before I came to Montreal International. And I told you I studied languages. I speak Spanish, Italian and, and some other languages from Eastern Europe. And um, basically, you know, my former boss, since we're privately managed, right, we're not bound by governmental uh, 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 rules or anything. So they told me like, hey, you speak those languages. Why don't you start traveling to Italy, to Spain and to other countries in Eastern Europe and see what we can do there? So I basically had a lot of flexibility into my work that I've been able to create somehow. Right. So my first year as a project director, then business development director, I think I've attracted $4 million and this has grown steadily. I think the, the curve goes as follow for 2022, 55 million, then 126 and last year, 125 million dollars. So I've basically been contributing significantly to the wealth creation in the region over the past few years, creating something that was non-existent before. So creating those bridges between Quebec and Italy, Quebec and Spain, and now Quebec and the Czech Republic to me, is very, very gratifying. You know, I, it's been 10 years and I still find a lot of pleasure daily doing my job because of that. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm glad that you have shared your all your takeaway of the goal that you're achieving. And of course, uh, that you can continue building that safety net. Like hopefully we can have that safety yeah, net. Yeah. Uh, well, of know, course, in Canada and Czech Republic and so on, right? And in, in, in the know, entire I, world, Canada is not like the United States. You do have a similar safety net than the one that we have here. So, so basically, Quebec has always been very focused on what you do in Europe, which is a bit different than elsewhere, uh, especially in the United States. It's very different there. Uh, but Quebec is very, very European in a sense, in, in its social structure. Obviously, we're really North American when it comes to consumerism. Like, we're <laughs> North Americans, right? But the social structure is a bit more European. Okay, okay. So um, now as a last point for today, and, and of course closing with this positive uh, uh, message of, of, of you helping on creating this safety net in, in the Qubit area. So how, how can people reach you out to continue this conversation and uh, hopefully you can help them in their way to expand their companies to, to Montreal? So basically, you can reach out to, on LinkedIn or uh, at my email address. I can send it to you, Ricardo, and then you can uh, obviously put it uh, on the post with the uh, podcast. Um, so LinkedIn, email, really don't hesitate to reach out. If you're curious about Montreal, I don't, you don't need to have a specific project in mind. If you just want to know what's, what trade shows exist in your industry, if you want to know uh, uh, if the idea you have in mind is actually possible. If Montreal could be a fit for a specific industry or if another city is, I'll be very honest with you. My my goal is your success somehow. If Montreal is no match, but I know another city that may be, I'll plug it in, you know, and I can even make a direct introduction. Um, so basically, you know, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn uh, by via email 
I'm always available for first call, even if you're a very small startup, if you're larger scale companies, if you're growing really fast, if you're struggling, I don't really mind. There's always a conversation to be had uh, and I'm always happy to help. So that's probably the main message to convey when it comes to reaching out <laughs> for whatever reason somehow. <laughs> okay. So thank you very much, Philip, for sharing uh, this information and all the conversation. It was really enjoyable for me and I hope that everyone enjoyed as well. So uh, see you around and enjoy the upcoming days in, in Montreal with a good weather as well. <laughs> thank you very much. We need that. And thank you very much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it and looking forward to many conversations following the podcast. Okay. Thank you. See you. See you. Bye. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. Feel free to share with your friends and looking forward to seeing you next time.